Hey, what's up? My name is Grace, and thanks for tuning in to the GT Young Adults Podcast. We're a community, a part of GT Church in Victoria, BC. We love Jesus and have a passion to learn and live like him and have a ton of fun doing it. All of the messages and conversations you find here will point you to his truth and his hope, so lean into whatever God wants to speak to you today. Enjoy what you're about to hear, and thanks for listening. Hey, good evening, everyone. You doing good? So happy you're here tonight. Um, We are in, uh, yeah, like Brent said, the final little bit here of a sermon series called Future Church. Um, The heart of this series was really to help unpack not just vision about our name change, um, but truthfully to consider what it looks like to really build and be a part of the big, you know, C church, if you will. And so how do we kind of come together in all of our different services and the different, you know, locations or campuses and consider what it looks like for me, for you, for every single individual to really be a part of the church. And so that was the heart. That was the hope. Um, That's what we kind of unpacked. The first week really was me kind of, honestly, a call to action. And I asked you four very, like, specific questions about decisions we need to make. Uh, Not just as young adults, but as people. And then Andy kind of came in and talked about renewal and revival. And then this week, this week, we, as me and Andy were kind of talking about this series, we really wanted to to consider what it would look like um, to say over you, to bless you with a better word. And so that's kind of the title of tonight's sermon. And and we're going to unpack quite a bit of scripture in that. But I think there's like, with, with Jesus comes a better way. Right? Like, that's the whole idea, is that when it comes to, like, the Sermon on the Mount, it's, like, his way of saying, this is a better way to live, which we did back, I think it was in March. In Hebrews, this whole book, because we're gonna, I'm going to use, like, one scripture out of there, we're going to jump to somewhere else after. But in Hebrews, it's this long-winded kind of letter, and we don't really know who the author was, to be honest. There's lots of debate on that, on, on how Jesus is better than fill in the blank, really, and it's like Moses. He's greater than Elijah. He's better than the great high priest, and he's trying to help Jewish Christians understand that that Jesus is the way, the only way, that he is the best way. He is the better way. He has a better word. He's better than fill in the blank. And I think for us, that's helpful even in today's context. That's really helpful in today's context, because here at the six, like, we're trying to build something. Yes, it's driven towards young adults. There's no doubt about that, but we hope you know whether you're in that category, whatever you, I don't know, maybe you feel like you're on the, on the back nine of being a young adult or whatever. You put, I don't care, where, like, you get to place yourself, I am, I am, I can say that because I am, but we want this just to be a place where anyone can come and grow. And, and that's really the heart. And like Bren said, moving forward, because we want to be a house like under one name, not a house with many names, which is just, just difficult, the six, which is linked to the 6 p.m. service, which is linked to a door, and all these pieces that date back in our history, we're just going to change to Coastline Nights. Coastline Nights. And so when you come at night, you're at Coastline Nights. The heart here, okay, we got one clap, one happy person about, <laughs> clink, nothing. You don't have to clap. You can hate it. It doesn't bother me. It's still our name, okay? Because the vision and the heart hasn't changed. We want to serve you. We want to bless you. We want to encourage you. If this is your church, um, but you go to the ele- like you serve at the eleven, and you come in th- at night. You come at coastal night. You come to the six p.m. service. We wanted to encourage you. We wanted to challenge you. If you go to a different church, but sometimes you drop in because of whatever reason. We want this place to bless you. We want it to serve you. That's the heart, and that'll never change. In fact, we hope to actually add some kids ministry. So for those people who are coming and who work on Sundays, you do have kids can actually come to the night service. And so that is the goal. Um, but I want you to know, again, the heart behind this whole message in this series, this place, everything that's happening right now, is that tonight, specifically, this is my heart, that we would look at 
Christianity in, in a new light, I guess, tonight for you. And I think there is this common thought that we just need to do better. Have you ever heard anyone say, just do better? I even see that when it comes to like, I don't know, getting canceled, all those things. Like, you just need to do better. Just do better, Steph. Just need to be better. You just need to be better, Josh. I just need to, oh, I just need to get better. Like, there is a kind of, I see this happening. I see this phrase, like, you need to be better, do better, think about it better. I'll, I'll mess up as a husband. I'll be like, I just need to be better. Like, what's going on? But it's just like, it's just another way, almost phrase or, or idea on the way to make us feel like pretty awful about something that's just happened. And then is there really a step forward in that? Like, when we say just do better or be better, it's like, okay gonna go feel like crap now and maybe try and be better I don't know what that looks like do you know what I mean like if the core principle of what we're trying to accomplish if the if the foundation of being a Christian isn't based off of grace and love and mercy then doing better being better is always just gonna be harder right and so I think as we, as we consider tonight's sermon, as I, as I bring to you a bunch of different scriptures, as we even do a little <laughs> right here, um, it, I want you to know and understand, like, there is a better way, and God does have a better plan. I do believe that with all of my heart. And so as we finish kind of the series, me and Andy were looking at this one scripture, and it's kind of been something I know he's been thinking about a lot as well. And we almost did a study through Hebrews, so we were looking at this together. But I want to read to you this one verse. And I, I don't like doing this. If you know me, this isn't really my style because I'd like to give you all the stuff before and after, but I'll just, you just have to trust me here. Again, when it comes to the book of Hebrews, we're seeing this writer try and help Jewish Christians or Christians who are also being influenced by Jewish writers say, hold on, hold on. There's only one way to do this thing. There's only one person you need to follow. There's only one person you need to obey, and it's Jesus. And so he's going through, and if you read this book, you'll, you'll, you'll see that. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than this. And there's lots of great zingers in Hebrews. We love this. We love to post it probably in someone's bio in here, Hebrews 10, probably. Maybe something is someone's for sure. The silence, there's someone for sure. Uh, Hebrews 11 is kind of known, uh, known as like the hall of faith or whatever it may be. But we find ourselves at the end, Hebrews 12 here. And, and there's this one verse. It starts in kind of verse 23, and it says this. Jesus the mediator of our new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. One more time, I'm gonna read like this. To Jesus, the mediator of our new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word. Somebody say better word, word. than the blood of Abel. What he's doing, he's showing us this parallel here. He's showing us, he's, again, if you were a, a Jewish Christian, Christian at this time or even just a Jewish person at this time, you know the story of Cain and Abel. And maybe some of you know it. You've grown up in Sunday school. The two brothers, of course, who get in that argument. Basically, you have Abel who comes and brings uh, God a, a sacrifice of, of lamb and, and, and of a fattened calf, if you will. I think it specifically, oh, man, I should have read this before. Genesis 4, where Abel, he comes and he gives like the, the fat portions of his, of his firstborn lamb, if you will. And then you have Cain who comes with fruit and vegetables because he kind of works the, the field that way. And, and Abel kind of has all of the animals, which goes to say one thing, Right? because God likes the sacrifice of the lamb more, that God is not a vegan. Anyways, that's not the moral of the story, but it is something to consider when you read the Bible. My daughter said to me the other day, Dad, I think my favorite food is bacon. And I was like, I'm doing good by you, child. I've raised you right. No, and, and so they come together, and it's interesting in this story, because now we kind of just know the story where Cain gets really upset, and, and, and he, he hits Abel, and he kills him, and that's it. But actually what happens is he gets frustrated, he has jealousy, and then God speaks over him. He actually, before any of that altercation happens, he specifically says to him, hold on, why are you getting so angry? I'm not unhappy with you, but, but this sacrifice was better. 
This is what is pleasing to me. This is what I'm after. Which goes to tell all of us in here that it's not just about sacrifice, but it's actually about obedience. That just because you give of yourself in a way doesn't mean you're giving yourself to God in his way. Are you seeing the difference? And this is a big deal. I think this might be something that actually is really hard on young adults because we feel like we're trying. We feel like we're giving it. We feel like we're doing all that we can, which I'll get to later, for some reason, and it just doesn't feel right. And maybe it's not because we're not doing good things. It's that we're not doing the thing God has asked us to do. I don't, I don't want to just be, I don't want to do good things. Anybody can do good things. But listening to the creator, letting him speak over your life a better word, and then following him with everything that you have, that's an adventure. That's something different. That takes risk. That takes faith. Are you hearing me tonight? And so in this moment, what happens is God actually says, listen, it's not that you did anything wrong necessarily, but it wasn't what I want. It wasn't obedient. It wasn't right. And of course, you know the rest of the story that King is so mad, he strikes his brother and kills him. And then later, of course, God's like, where, where is he? What's going on here? And he's like, my, my brother's keeper? Again, you've probably heard this story or heard that saying before. And in that moment, God actually, I believe he says in Genesis 4, I think it's verse 10. He says, your brother's blood calls out to me. So that's Abel's blood. He's like, Abel's blood speaks out, is calling out to me. It's calling out for what? For vengeance, for justice, for retribution, right? It's calling out for, for the wrong thing to be made right. Which, of course, is what we desire too. Justice, right? Truth. Come on, we want reconciliation. We want this to be restored. We want this to be redeemed, whatever it is. And so in this verse in Hebrews, knowing that history, understanding this whole piece, what does God do? Does he kill Cain? No, 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 that's not what he does. In fact, Cain, it's funny, what does his voice say? He starts to say, you know what, just kill me, just let me go, just end it right now, I don't want any part of this. And God says, no, no, no. In fact, if anyone kills you, they will be judged. And so even back to Genesis 4, we see what? We see God speaking a better word. Abel screams for justice. Cain screams for death. And God says, mercy, grace. And he's trying to create a better foundation. Already for, 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 for Cain, who's still alive, who's still going. And in fact, Cain, I believe his line ends up being Enoch. Enoch follows God and is taken up with him and, and his life has changed. And so tonight the heart is to share what we believe, I believe is God has a better word for us. That there is a better word for you. There's a better word for me. That in fact, as we unpack what it means to be a Christian in the future church, believing to build that together, that there would be a better way to do this, a better word for us. Because again, I, I know for me, like, there is a better way for it. In my own heart, like, I know I want to be better, even though that saying kind of gets, I don't know, it, it can sometimes mess with us a bit. But I want to be a better Christian. I do. Of course I do. I want to grow in that. The church, as, as, as a whole, we want to be a better church, right? Of course we do. Listen, we want to do better. I, I believe we can do better. The future church can be better. In fact, Pastor Adam was saying this to me the other day. He's like, when I thought of better word, I was thinking of how the word church sometimes comes with a negative connotation for people. And I want that word, church, to be a better word in the hearts of every person who hears it. And I've said this before, but to make sure I just say it again, if there is some real authentic church hurt in the place, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I really am. 
want to be a church. I'd rather stick with the church in in everything we do right and wrong and continue to try and make it a place that is is a place of refuge and love and mercy, a place that listens and prays for people that becomes more like a hospital and less like a concert. That is the heart. It really is. That's why we offer prayer after every service. That's why we do all the things that Bren listed because we want to be a place that tries to do better. But again, with what foundation, with what core value? Because again, if it's just better, is it really better? I'll never forget in grade seven, I was so excited to play basketball the next year because where I grew up in Kelowna, it was like grades one through seven was elementary, eight through 12 was high school. And so I remember going into high school and being like real excited to try and make the basketball team. It was gonna be two teams in grade eight, an A team and a B team. Like really, it was like, I need to make this team. So in grade seven, in that summer, I went into a basketball camp and I remember like, I'm gonna, I gotta be the starting point guard for the grade eight OKM Huskies next year, let's go. Uh, Me and Trina used to always debate when we were dating in high school, like, uh, my school was Husky, she was a pacer. I was like, a wolf would destroy a horse. And so we, that was a constant, agreed? Yeah, agreed, of course, agreed, of course. And so anyways, I wanted to be starting point guard. That's the main point. And we were, I was just so excited. I go to the summer camp and I'm like, coach, how do I, what do I gotta do to be better? Like, I gotta get better. And he's like, well, you should shoot 100 free throws a day if you wanna be better. I was like, I'm a grade seven? <laughs> Take it down a notch, you know, like relax. And I was like, I'll do 30. And he was like, Okay, fine. And I remember I tried every single day to just shoot 30 free throws. Every single day. I was just trying so hard. And I, I thought I was getting better. And then I get to camp and I'm super excited. It's like the week before. We're doing tryouts and I'm playing and we're going. I feel like I'm doing great. I feel like I'm just crushing it, of course. And then we had like our actual coach who that year was like super intense. Like really like, like Denzel from Remember the Titans intense. You know what I'm saying? Like real like you drop a ball, you run a mile. Like that was going to happen. You drop a ball, suicides, get on the baseline. Like that was grade eight. I was like, okay, come on. Like have not hit puberty yet. Like, to- like this tall, just like really trying my best to play basketball. You know that one kid who is like four, seven and he's on the basketball team and you're like, you're so cute. That was me. And so I'm trying super hard to make this team. And all summer long, I was shooting free throws thinking that's going to be the thing. And I remember finally sitting down with the coach and he's like, listen, like we're seeing out there, not bad. You know how they always downplay it? Not bad, kid, not bad. I just had the best camp of my life thinking I'm doing all these. Like, you're playing great, I like what I see, but your free throws suck. I wish that was a joke. I wish that was hyperbole. And he said that to me, but your free throws suck. And I went, totally, yeah, I haven't been working that all summer. You know the emotional maturity of a grade seven boy is? Not good. I remember like, mm-hmm, yeah, totally, but I feel you. <laughs> like went home bawling my eyes out, right? Of course, like every kid does. Just so sensitive. I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. He's like, I'm like, honestly, I worked on it all summer. He's like, what do you mean? I was like, that guy over there, who was our other coach, like, that guy told me to shoot 30 free throws a day. I actually did 100, but I can only do 30. He was like, you? You told him his, free, his technique is terrible. And that's honestly the truth. I was holding the ball like this. All summer long, I was shooting like this. And it would just hit my hands like a total... <laughs> If any of you shoot like that, you're not an idiot. God loves you. Stop shooting the basketball that way. It's not good. And he's like, no, no. And I remember my new coach brought me to the hoop. And he sat me like right under it. He's like, this is the only place you get to shoot from. I was like, okay. And I want you to stand here with one hand and you're going to shoot. You're going to get a swish. You need 10 swishes in a row. And then you take a step, like, sorry, you take two steps back and you go again. And if you miss one, you start all over from zero. You do that until you hit the free throw line. Go. I was like, Does no one understand? I'm 13. Like, this is not a... But I did, and I would try, and I I really didn't prove. But the the, the point of the story is that my foundation was wrong the whole time. 
I went a whole summer trying to get better, but the main thing, the core foundation of it was off. Are you hearing what I'm trying to say? And if we don't have this foundational piece set in stone, if we continue to practice, and this is what I want to say over you tonight, checklist Christianity, we will continue to have a foundation that is imbalanced, that is not foundational, and we'll continue to find this tension left and right, back and forth, up and down, not understanding why this whole faith thing feels really difficult. Let me share with you what I, what I mean. If you go to Galatians 5, <clears throat> go to Galatians 5 for me, and Darian, I'm, I'm going to skip through a, a few things up there. I want to I bring to you what I think is one of my, yeah, one of my favorite chunks of Pauline literature for sure. And it's this whole idea of living by the Spirit. Living by the Spirit. Because I really believe the, the word we need and to, to, to become and be and build the future church, we have to be a generation that relies on the Holy Spirit. We have to. And I think for us, we often look at this chunk of scripture, which again, I feel like whether you've grown up in church or not, you've probably heard something like this, right? We have to look at this a little bit differently, a little bit differently. So this is Galatians 5, I'm gonna start in verse, what do we got, 18? Start in verse 18. The acts of the flesh, okay, this is, he's painting, painting both pictures, so just hear me for a second, let me get through this. The acts of the flesh are obvious, Paul writes. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage. Aren't you happy you came to the coastline nights tonight? Ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Continue, keep going. But the fruit of the Spirit, again, every bumper sticker, I'm sure you've seen this or heard this before, is joy, excuse me, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since, I love this verse. I absolutely love this verse. I wish, I wish we would hit this verse more. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Notice how he, again, action. He's talking about doing something. And this is sometimes, again, a bit of the challenge because we want it to just be grace and love and ways of grace and, oh, how he loves. And yes, of course, that's the foundation, sure. But moving forward, since we live by the Spirit, meaning because we've accepted Jesus, we also keep in step with the Spirit. Because as soon as we become a Christian, as R.C. Sproul likes to say, that's when spiritual warfare actually starts. We would assume it's all just good to go here, but actually, he says, specifically, that's where the warfare starts between flesh and spirit. But we look at this list, actually, these two lists, and I think this is what I'm trying to say tonight, and hopefully, ho hope you're hearing what I'm saying, as what to do and what not to do. Do this, don't do this, right? We often hear that. But Jesus being the mediator for us, he actually is this idea of helping understand both sides of the argument. That he is the mediator. He actually will see the flesh, but he also wants us to live by the Spirit. That's his role. That's what he does. You see, in the Old Testament, the way that they would find themselves coming closer to God in atonement, like they had to pay for their atonement for their sins. I know we don't like that word, but it's real. And so how they would operate is they'd operate taking a lamb, then the high priest would go in. You can read all through this in Hebrews 9. We just don't have time to go through it all tonight. And you, they would come in and the high priest would take some of his blood and, and once a year he'd go with the lamb and they would, they would sprinkle that blood. And that was the sacrifice. That was the blood needed to, to bring in to bring their, them into continual kind of relationship with God. But here's the thing. That was the Old Testament way that they did things. And he says this in Hebrews because he's trying to paint a picture. That was the Old Covenant, the Old Way. 
Now, no, that may seem odd. Like, why are they using animals? And why, why, not, why not use the broccoli? I'm with you, right? I'm told, no, I'm just kidding. You can laugh. It was not that good. It was a bad one. Okay, good to know. Good to know. Vegan jokes are not allowed at Coastline Nights in Victoria. Okay, good to know. I just heard an oh my. Here we go. I'm going to get an email. Please email me at steph at gt.church. Okay. And so you have this picture with, like, why, why would they do it that way? How come it's like this? Because there had to be a sacrifice for sin. I think there's, again, this concept that, there's, that sin is just going to go on by and it's not a big deal. But it is a big deal. It is a big deal. It does affect you. It does affect God. But he wants to speak a better word. He wants to speak a better way over us. And so instead of us continuing to bring lambs every single year, once a year, and continuing to do this, he sent his son, that he would be the final sacrifice, that his blood would pay the price for you and for me, that he would do and step in the way, being mediator, again, being the mediator between the two, understanding like this, I, I see this, but I'm also gonna make a better way, the new covenant. This is what he's trying to, trying to show us. And so again, we see that he's kind of painted out, here's what happens. We become a new creation, a Christian, but here's where we struggle. We struggle with both of these things. We struggle with, with this list to do and this list to not do. And like, God, God if, you want to, if you want to say a better word over me, how is it that I just have to like follow this thing and what happens if I make a mistake because it really, it really messes with me, right? Like it's, it's a challenge. I'm not sure how I, how I continue to do it because we, we want to solve what is a sin issue with a human idea. And so we just think if we continue to just, you know what, I want a better word for my identity. That's what I want. My identity is feeling like, I feel like a failure. I feel messed up. I feel like I'm struggling in this specific area. God wants to speak a better word for your identity. I absolutely believe that. I think actually this generation needs three things. A better word for their identity, a better word for their future, and a better word for the church. Identity, future, and church. In those three areas, I feel like God wants to speak life, speak over you a better word. He wants to say, listen, just because you've done something doesn't make you that something. That was a mistake, you aren't a mistake. He wants to breathe that over your life. Because no matter how big and tough and awesome we think we are, we all struggle with that identity part. Our future, we just feel like there's nothing ahead of us. It feels like the news, the, the generation before us just is writing us right out of the future. No, he has a better word for you. He has a better word for you than that. And for the church, like we already talked about. But what about this whole flesh and spirit thing? How do I, how do I, how do we do this thing? I want to just try my best to paint a picture here. I saw Tim Mackey do something like this, and it was so brilliant that I want to show it to you guys tonight. We, we look at ourselves like, okay, we have kind of two, there's two big areas here. I know if you can't, if you can't all see this, I will turn it, okay? All right? Okay, relax. If you're over there, should have picked the good seats. You're bad, not mine. Okay. What? It's not my fault. I didn't sit there. We have flesh. We have spirit. We have this like, this, it feels like this tension. It feels like back and forth. Like I said, we have the list to do. We have, oh, I just need to be more loving and more joyful. That's what I need. Just need to be more patient. Don't make fun of the writing, okay? Leave me alone. Doctors and pastors, we, it's not good. We need more self-control. I just need all those pieces, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. We just need some goodness in there. Can I get some goodness? That would be nice and gentle. I just need to do these things, right? And I'll just be better. That's the better way. That's kind of how we view this. I just need to be more gentle with my boyfriend. I just need to be more patient with my girlfriend. I just need to be, I just, that's all I need. I just need more joy. Choose joy. Autumn, fall, choose joy. <laughs> that's really hard when your dog just died, right? Like it's not, 
I never understood that one. I'm just gonna be honest. Choose joy. What if life sucks? Because life often sucks, right? Like choosing joy isn't, isn't, how do you just choose it? Help, if you know how to do that, help me. We just need more grateful. Right. Also hard. Like I'm just trying to paint an honest picture here because again, we always say just do better, be better. The future church depends on it. Your life depends on it. There's a better way. Just listen to Jesus and do better and have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. That's it. That's it. It's not that easy. If it is, like tell me how because I, I don't think it's that easy sometimes. And then we have the other side. I don't have that list memorized. Idolatry. I'm for sure gonna make a spelling mistake. I'm gonna get so many emails about it. Hatred. Jealousy. Right? Discord. Isn't that an app that failed? I don't remember. It doesn't matter. Rage. I've been there. Selfish ambition. Sexual immorality. Okay, so just do this. Don't do this, right? Everyone see that? Okay, amen. There is a better word. No, it doesn't work that way. It's actually really difficult. It's actually really challenging. And if we want to have a better word for our identity, which is a child of God, not what someone else says, if we want that to be the foundation, which it needs to be, starting there, your identity is not your mental health plus your sexual orientation plus your emotional stability plus your physical talents. That's not your identity. That's what, everything, that's what the world would say it is. It's an accumulation of all these pieces. Actually, we believe, I believe with all of my heart that the image of God is imprinted on your heart, that we are the Imago Dei, that we truly are meant to be children of God no matter our age, that he loves you and sees you and he wants relationship with you. When that starts as your identity, there's a better word. When that starts, when that's your foundation, this looks a little different, I'll show you how. My future is just written for me because I had an abusive dad. I had a church that didn't support me. I didn't have any way to get, hold on. We talked about this two weeks ago. That what was doesn't determine what is. That when your foundation of God is purpose and mission and hope, that despite a circumstance, you can actually find a better way, a better word, a better way forward. We look at this and it's like, hey, well, I did that one this week, that one as well. Didn't know, no, and this one. And I also had that, real angry at, at, at Karen. She was not nice to me. Super mad at her, because she stole the, yeah. And, okay, I'm shooting minus two. Not great, not a great week, but we'll try it again next week. And I'm making a lot of jokes and funny remarks, but the truth is, I'm not wrong. Christianity is not a math equation of good, like minus my sin equals how much God loves me. The future church cannot be built on checklist Christianity. We want to chase fruit. We want love. We want joy. We want peace. We want patience. But the truth is, that's not what the verse says. It doesn't just say, like, then you'll get a part of this. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit. Meaning, if you are in Christ, if the Spirit now lives in you, that his fruit comes in how? When we stop chasing fruit, we stop making a list of when we don't do a really good job, and we just dial in right here 
which is the cross, because he is the mediator, right? He sees all of this and he went to the cross for it. And then he brings this. We have to stop chasing this list. We gotta stop chasing this list. And it starts with a better word, which is the cross, which is grace, which is love, which is his mercy. It's right here. That's it. Don't chase love. Don't chase joy. Chase the cross. Doesn't, Hebrews 12 doesn't later say, fix your eyes on gentleness. It's fixing your eyes on what? The, on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That's what it says. Fixing my eyes on who? On Jesus Christ. That is my foundation. He is my better word. It is his blood on the cross that speaks life over me. It's what he has done that saves me. I can't do this enough. I can't do this enough. It's right here. And he actually becomes the mediator between the two. He says, I see all of the idolatry in this room. I see all of the hatred. I see all of the rage and the jealousy and the abuse and the hardship you went through. I see all of that. And I died for all of you. That went in me, like earlier in Galatians it says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Galatians 2.20. What, what happens there? That's when we see love and joy and peace. That's the better way. That's the better word. Stop chasing the fruit. Don't chase the fruit. Just spend time with the gardener. That's where it happens. It's a great quote from Rabbi's book. I mean this with all my heart. The future church is decided right now. And we can either walk in step with the spirit, right? We can walk in step with Jesus at our center, Jesus at the cross, like, sorry, excuse me, in the center, the cross as our foundation. Or we can continue to play this checklist game. It doesn't go very well. It continues to leave us empty and frustrated. Don't play the game anymore. I feel like you feel like you end up losing no matter how good or better you're doing. Are you hearing me tonight? Are you hearing me tonight? It's our heart tonight to do communion. And um, and I think it makes sense with our scripture. I hope you have a communion cup. If you didn't, Bren's, Bren's got some here. If you don't, just give him a little like, whoop, like do a little quick, you know, hand up and he'll come to you. I, I'm not gonna lie to you, Bren, I forgot mine. Can you pass me one? I still love Jesus. I just forgot the cup. Leave me alone. He was like, <laughs> that's a checklist Christianity. Don't, I'm just kidding. No, I'm, kidding. I'm just teasing. You know, it's our heart that you would understand that it is truly by his sacrifice and only his sacrifice that you are saved. If you're new to church, this, this next moment may seem foreign and you don't have to participate. We would never force you to do that. But we believe here at church that if we can explain this really well and understand what we're doing, that it can really be significant. And I think it's actually the most significant tonight as we've, as we've talked about the cross, as we've talked about the blood of Jesus, as that, as that has come up. He doesn't just want a better word for you tonight in your identity or, or your future. He wants you to understand just how deep and how wide and great His love is for you. The Bible talks about how the night Jesus was betrayed, he took cup, the cup, excuse me, and the bread, and he, and he had dinner with his best friends. And he actually pulled out the bread, and you can go ahead and grab that if you'd like. The Bible is very specific. It says that he broke it, and, and he shared it, and he said, this is my body, broken for you. And in that moment, he was symbolizing something. He was beginning to show you this, the cross. 
instead of us every day facing hatred and jealousy in all these moments, that he would go to the cross for you and for me, that his body would break so ours wouldn't have to, that our spirit wouldn't have to, that he would go there. And so when we eat this, when we, I, we like to break it. I like to break it in significance of what he did. Remember the cross. Paul continues to write in 1 Corinthians 11. He says, in the same way, he took the cup. He said, this is my blood. It actually talks about the new covenant. See, when you drink this, remember me. His blood shed, not ours. His blood shed, not a lamb's. That he was setting up a new covenant once and for all. The sacrificial lamb that he went to the cross, body broken, bloodshed for you and for me, again, so we wouldn't have to. That's grace, that's love, it's mercy. It's why we drink this. It's not because we have to, it's, it's so that we remember what he did. Go ahead and take it. Would you do it with me? Would you stand to your feet? Bible says, whenever you eat this bread or drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And I want to take a moment and do that, but I want to pray over you. It is my heart. It, like, it's September long weekend. So if you're here at church, you clearly love Jesus. That's a big deal. And it's my heart to have some prayer tonight. And so the team, there will be a team coming up a little bit later, but I want you to ask yourself this question honestly. Am I just going back and forth? the reason I feel so heavy because I just I keep putting myself basically like I keep just taking check marks and, and minuses off my score and I think that's how I'm supposed to live or I was doing really good and I got drunk one night so starting back from fresh I'm just playing this checklist game with God Jesus is saying stop it just come to the cross receive my grace Witness for the very first time a transformational love that when you accept it and receive it, it changes everything. Just close your eyes, let me pray. God, tonight we just come before you looking for that better word. Preaching out, Lord, asking for that, that better word, the better way, your way, Jesus, only your way. Holy Spirit, right now, I just pray over every person in this room. Help us to walk in step with you. Help us to not try and go our own path, our own way. God, I pray for the person right now who continues to try and fix things, this sin in their heart with their sort of human ideas, with, with whatever it may be. I just need another therapy session. I just need this, that. Lord, lots of good things, but I pray in Jesus' name right now, they would put everything else aside and they would fix their eyes on the cross. They would see it, you, Lord, up on that cross for them in their, in their stead, in their place, God. I pray in Jesus' name that we would come to you boldly declaring our repentance, our love, and our, like, our joy, God, in you. In this room right now, as, 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 as lights come down, I'm just praying and believing that walls are coming down. And if, as eyes are closed, if for you, you're like, enough is enough. I'm so tired of playing this game, this tension where I'm, I'm feeling left and right and going back and forth. I just want to sit at Jesus' feet. I just want to receive his love. I just need something better than the way I'm doing it. Would you just allow
enough to respond. Like truly respond. Don't hide away. You're not fooling anyone. Well, you might be fooling us, but, but God certainly knows. His eyes are closed as you're listening to God. If you just want to like, maybe it's for the very first time, say, I'm stepping forward and I want you, Jesus. Maybe it's a recommitment for you, like enough's enough. I'm stepping towards Christ. Enough is enough. But you just like, just throw your hand up. It's not for anyone else to see. My eyes are open.